and anxious to obtain a speedy shelter from the increasing violence of the storm that now began to change its character to large drops of driving rain, the traveler determined, as a matter of necessity, to make an application for admission to the next dwelling that offered. An opportunity was not long wanting, and riding through a pair of neglected bars, he knocked loudly at the outer door of a building of a very humble exterior without quitting his saddle. A female of middle age, with an outward bearing but little more prepossessing than that of her dwelling, appeared to answer the summons. The startled woman half-closed her door again in a fright, as she saw, by the glare of a large wood fire, a mounted man so unexpectedly near its threshold, and an expression of terror mingled with her natural curiosity as she inquired his pleasure. Although the door was too nearly closed to admit of a minute scrutiny of the accommodations within, enough had been seen to cause the horseman to endeavor once more to penetrate the gloom with longing eyes in search of a more promising roof before, with an ill-concealed reluctance, he stated his necessities and wishes. His request was listened to with evident unwillingness, and while yet unfinished, it was eagerly interrupted by the reply, "'I can't say I like to give lodgings to a stranger in these ticklish times,' said the female, in a pert, sharp key. "'I'm nothing but a forlorn lone body, or what's the same thing, there's nobody but the old gentleman at home. But a half-mile farther up the road is a house where you can get entertainment and that for nothing.' I'm sure it will be much convenienter to them and more agreeable to me, because, as I said before, Harvey is away. I wish he'd take advice and leave off wandering. He's well-to-do in the world by this time, and he ought to leave off his uncertain courses and settle himself handsomely in life like other men of his years and property. But Harvey Birch will have his own way and die vagabond after all. The horseman did not wait to hear more than the advice to pursue his course up the road but he had slowly turned his horse towards the bars and was gathering the folds of an ample cloak around his manly form, preparatory to facing the storm again, when something in the speech of the female suddenly arrested the movement. "'Is this, then, the dwelling of Harvey Birch?' he inquired, in an involuntary manner, apparently checking himself as he was about to utter more. "'Why, one can hardly say it is his dwelling,' replied the other, drawing a hurried breath like one eager to answer. He's never in it, or so seldom that I hardly remember his face, when he does think it worth his while to show it to his poor old father and me. But it matters little to me, I'm sure, if he ever comes back again or not. Turn in the first gate on your left. Now, I care but little, for my part, whether Harvey ever shows his face again or not. Not I. And she closed the door abruptly on the horseman, who gladly extended his ride half a mile farther to obtain lodgings which promised both more comfort and greater security. Sufficient light yet remained to enable the traveller to distinguish the improvements which had been made in the cultivation and in the general appearance of the grounds around the building to which he was now approaching. The house was of stone, long, low, and with a small wing at each extremity, a piazza extending along the front with neatly turned pillars of wood, together with the good order and preservation of the fences and outbuildings, gave the place an air altogether superior to the common farmhouses of the country. After leading his horse behind an angle of the wall, where it was in some degree protected from the wind and rain, the traveller threw his valise over his arm and knocked loudly at the entrance of the building for admission. An aged black soon appeared, and without seeming to think it necessary under the circumstances to consult his superiors, first taking one prying look at the applicant by the light of the candle in his hand, he acceded to the request for accommodations. 
the traveler was shown into an extremely neat parlor where a fire had been lighted to cheer the dullness of an easterly storm and an October evening. After giving the valise into the keeping of his civil attendant, and politely repeating his request to the old gentleman, who arose to receive him, and paying his compliments to the three ladies who were seated at work with their needles, the stranger commenced laying aside some of the outer garments which he had worn in his ride. On taking an extra handkerchief from his neck, and removing a cloak of blue cloth with a surtout of the same material, he exhibited to the scrutiny of the observant family party a tall and extremely graceful person of apparently fifty years of age. His countenance evinced a settled composure and dignity. His nose was straight and approaching to Grecian. His eye of a gray color was quiet, thoughtful, and rather melancholy, the mouth and lower part of his face being expressive of decision and much character. His dress, being suited to the road, was simple and plain, but such as was worn by the higher class of his countrymen. He wore his own hair dressed in a manner that gave a military air to his appearance, and which was rather heightened by his erect and conspicuously graceful carriage. His whole appearance was so impressive, and so decidedly that of a gentleman, that as he finished laying aside the garments, the ladies arose from their seats, and together with the master of the house they received anew, and returned the complimentary greetings which were again offered. The host was by several years the senior of the traveller, and by his manner, dress, and everything around him, showed he had seen much of life and the best society. The ladies were a maiden of forty, and too much younger, who did not seem indeed to have reached half those years. The bloom of the elder of these ladies had vanished, but her eyes and fine hair gave an extremely agreeable expression to her countenance, and there was a softness and an affability in her deportment that added a charm many more juvenile faces do not possess. The sisters, for such the resemblance between the younger females denoted them to be, were in all the pride of youth and the roses, so eminently the property of the Westchester Fair, glowed on their cheeks and lighted their deep blue eyes with that luster which gives so much pleasure to the beholder and which indicates so much internal innocence and peace. There was much of that feminine delicacy in the appearance of the three which distinguishes the sex in this country, and like the gentlemen their demeanor proved them to be women of the higher order of life. After handing a glass of excellent Madeira to his guest, Mr. Wharton, for so was the owner of this retired estate called, resumed his seat by the fire with another in his own hand. For a moment he paused, as if debating with his politeness, but at length threw an inquiring glance on the stranger as he inquired, "'To whose health am I to have the honor of drinking?' The traveller had also seated himself, and he sat unconsciously gazing on the fire while Mr. Wharton spoke. Turning his eyes slowly on his host with a look of close observation, he replied with a faint tinge gathered on his features, Mr. Harper. Mr. Harper, resumed the other with a formal precision of that day, I have the honor to drink your health and to hope you will sustain no injury from the rain to which you have been exposed. Mr. Harper bowed in silence to the compliment, and he soon resumed the meditations from which he had been interrupted, and for which the long ride he had that day made in the wind might seem a very natural apology. The young ladies had again taken their seats beside the workstand, while their aunt, Miss Jeanette Payton, withdrew to superintend the preparations necessary to appease the hunger of their unexpected visitor. A short silence prevailed, during which Mr. Harper was apparently enjoying the change in his situation, when Mr. Wharton again broke it, 
by inquiring whether Smoke was disagreeable to his companion. Receiving an answer in the negative, he immediately resumed the pipe which had been laid aside at the entrance of the traveller. There was an evident desire on the part of the host to enter into conversation, but either from an apprehension of treading on dangerous ground or an unwillingness to intrude upon the rather studied taciturnity of his guest, he several times hesitated before he could venture to make any further remark. At length a movement from Mr. Harper, as he raised his eyes to the party in the room, encouraged him to proceed. "'I find it very difficult,' said Mr. Wharton, cautiously avoiding at first such subjects as he wished to introduce, "'to procure that quality of tobacco for my evening's amusement to which I've been accustomed. I should think the shops in New York might furnish the best in the country,' calmly rejoined the other. "'Why, yes,' returned the host, in rather a hesitating manner, lifting his eyes to the face of Harper and lowering them quickly under his steady look. There must be plenty in town, but the war has made communication with the city, however innocent, too dangerous to be risked for so trifling an article as tobacco. The box from which Mr. Wharton had just taken a supply for his pipe was lying open within a few inches of the elbow of Harper, who took a small quantity from his contents and applied it to his tongue, in a manner perfectly natural, but one that filled his companion with alarm. Without, however, observing that the quality was of the most approved kind, the traveller relieved his host by relapsing again into his meditations. Mr. Wharton now felt unwilling to lose the advantage he had gained, and making an effort of more than usual vigour, he continued, "'I wish from the bottom of my heart this unnatural struggle was over, that we might again meet our friends and relatives in peace and love.' "'It is much to be desired,' said Harper." emphatically, again raising his eyes to the countenance of his host. I hear of no...